Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Man, I got a word for you today. I believe it's going to be life-changing. We're going to conclude our greater series. Uh, This is week number four. We're going to close it out with today's message. I'm not going to do a bunch of review. I just want to dive right in to um, the content I have for you today. And I want to call this message, Praying Like Jesus. Praying Like Jesus. If you would, look at Matthew chapter number six, starting in verse number five. We're going to read through verse 15. I didn't originally plan to read all this Um, but it's just one of those passages that I think we're all going to be blessed by hearing it. It says that when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. How many feel blessed just by reading all that? Isn't that good stuff, right? I want to begin with a question. How many of you believe in the power of prayer? How many believe in that? Uh, let me see your hands if you believe in the power of prayer. Uh, that, that means that you believe prayer is powerful, that it's effective, um, that God hears you, that God moves when you pray. Uh, I'm glad to see so many people believe in the power of prayer. Another question that I want to present to you is how many of you would say that you believe in the power of prayer, and, and you, you try to set aside time for prayer, um, but maybe you would, you would be honest today and you would say, I don't pray as often as I should. How many can be honest? I'm going to raise my hand here, right? Like, and some of you are like, I ain't coming back. Pastor ain't praying as much as he should. Um, but I think we can all, I don't care how much you pray, how many would think we could probably pray more. Some of you may fit this category. You, you, you believe in the power of prayer, but some of us, I think we have a tendency to think that our prayers are not as effective as they should be. Have you ever felt like your prayers were not being effective? Raise, raise your hands if you've never, like I, all of us, right? So I, I think we all believe there's power in prayer. We all believe that we should pray more. Sometimes we feel that our prayers are not being effective. And in this series, what we have done, we've been looking at not only 
the truth that Jesus dropped, which he dropped a lot of truth, and we're going to continue to do that as a church, but we've been looking at the way Jesus lived. We've been looking at the way that he lived. And so when you look at the life of Jesus, not just what he taught, you look at his life, there was a constant. And the constant was this, that no matter what was going on in his life, no matter what was going on in his ministry, no matter what, how crazy it got, no matter what his disciples were doing, no matter what the Roman government was doing, that all throughout his life, what you see is this constant. And that was that Jesus consistently sought the Father in prayer. Consistently. No matter what was going on, he sought the Father in prayer. He prioritized the presence of God in prayer, and he saw incredible results. That his life and his prayer, his prayer time, it empowered him to overcome every temptation that the enemy brought against him. His his life, his prayer time, it, it helped him to be faithful to God, obedient even unto death. We know that because of his prayer time that he performed amazing miracles and he healed a lot of sick people. And because of his relationship with the Father, he loved people that didn't love him back. All of this as a result of the way he spent time and prioritized the presence of God in prayer. When we look at the life of Jesus and the way that he lived and loved, I think it should make us want to live and love the same way. The truth, though, is that if we want what Jesus had, we should pray like Jesus prayed. I think I should say that one more time for the people in the back. If we want what Jesus had, we should pray like Jesus prayed. I think it's really important because the truth is, is that many of us, we don't pray the way Jesus prayed. And we got to ask, why is that? Why don't we pray the way he did? He taught us how, he, he modeled how, but, but it's a struggle for many of us. And I think that there are three main reasons as to why we struggle. And there could be many more, but I think you'll find yourself in one of these three. I think one of the reasons we struggle to pray is that we lack focus. We lack focus. We want to pray. We know it's important. We believe it's powerful. We hear a message on prayer and think, you know what, I I need to do better. I need to spend some time with God. Our church goes into a season of prayer and fasting, and many of us, we jump in and we experience that closeness with God, and we're energized by it, and we realize prayer is powerful, and not only do I pray to Him and He hears me, but God is speaking back to me. But over time, what happens is, is that we get distracted and we lose focus. We lose focus. Our mind begins to wonder. We start thinking about all the things that we need to get done. Sometimes we get bored with prayer. Am I allowed to say that? All the real spiritual people, try not to judge right now. I know you float around and wear a halo. Uh, but, but sometimes we get bored in prayer. And it's because we lack focus. Second reason is that we lack confidence. Some of us, we just lack confidence. We, we just don't know how to pray. We think we don't know how to approach God. We don't have the confidence uh, to approach God with his throne with boldness. Or we've got some people in our lives that they are really good at prayer. 
Like, if, if you could be paid as a professional prayer, you got anybody like that in your life? Like, they could be paid. They're so good at praying, they could be paid to pray. They could be sponsored by someone. Like, prayer.com would sponsor them. Like, they're just, they declare things, and they, they quote scriptures from books of the Bible that you didn't even know was in the Bible, and they start shouting Jehovah Nisi and Jehovah Rapha, and you're like, Jehovah Nisan what? You, you didn't even know that stuff was in there, and you watch them pray, and you're like, wow, what a prayer life. They're a prayer warrior, and they ask you to pray, and it's like, God? Thank you for the meat. Let's eat. Right? That's all you got. And, and so sometimes we're intimidated because we watch someone who has an intimate relationship with God and they're, they're able to declare and approach the throne boldly and, and it causes us to lose our confidence. Some of us, we lack confidence. Some of us, we lack focus. Others of us, we lack faith. We're just not sure God will do it. Or we might believe he can do it, but will he do it for me? Like I, I believe he can do it, but I, I'm just not sure he'll do it for me. And sometimes, if we're being honest, we can make a pretty strong argument that he really doesn't care to hear our prayers. Got the real people's attention. Because we tried and we prayed and The truth is he didn't answer a prayer the way we thought he should have. Maybe your story is you prayed for mom and dad that their marriage would work work itself out, and you prayed and you prayed and you believed and you fasted and they divorced anyway. You prayed for grandma to be healed, and grandma didn't get the physical healing and stay on the earth, but we know she got the healing as she entered into eternity, but God didn't answer the prayer the way you thought he should answer the prayer. Maybe for you, you just pleaded, God, help me to overcome this repetitive sin in my life. I am so sick of this thorn in my flesh. I want rid of it. But it keeps showing up. Your conclusion then is that prayer might work for people, but it doesn't work for me. Now, right here, I want to stop and say, Before we leave this place today, I believe every person that will hear the words that I'm going to give you, that you're going to leave here and your prayer life is drastically going to change and get better. How many believe that's going to happen? I know that's a bold statement to make, but I think when you leave this place, your prayer life is going to be better. To help us understand praying like Jesus and and what prayer is, it's very important that we take the time to communicate what prayer is not. Now, these are not points on the screen, but they're points to be noted. Prayer is not a formal presentation. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. I don't need a minister's robe. I don't need to kneel down by my bed in the same spot every single day to approach God with theological words that I'm not even sure the meaning of. It's not a formal presentation. Secondly, prayer is not a wish list. It's not. Prayer is not a wish list. It's not some kind of, you got to understand, God is not a magic genie. And my prayer time consists of the 12 things that I need God to do today, and that's it. It's a, it's a wish list that I offer up to him, and if I approach him the right way, the theological way, and I, I approach him the right way, and I say the right things, that I got this spiritual vending machine. 
like Coke machine. I put in a dollar and it spits out a Coke. I put in a prayer and he spits out an answer. It's not a wish list. Prayer is not a spiritual negotiation. I've, been, I've done this before. God, I'll never do that again if you'll do this. Come on, we're the real people. You, you start telling God, I'll never say that again, Lord, if you'll answer this prayer. God, I'll never do that again if you'll do this for me. But prayer is not a negotiation. And lastly, prayer is not about impressing people. When we look at the way Jesus lived, we see prayer isn't just a momentary action where we fold our hands and we kneel on our knees and we say something and we close it out with an amen. It can be that, but here's what I want you to get. Prayer isn't just an action you do. Prayer is a way that you live. This is a big difference. When you look at the way Jesus lived, he prioritized the presence of God. You can read it again and again that he would separate Here's the Son of God who loves everybody, would separate from everybody to go be alone with the Father. He would go off alone and seek the Father in prayer. He would, the Bible would say some mornings he would rise up early in the morning to pray. We would also see Jesus throughout the Gospels praying late at night. Sometimes he would pray by the lake. Other times he would go to the top of a mountain to pray. He was always disconnecting from those around him so that he could fully connect to God. When you read throughout the Gospels, I'm going to give you a few of these. I won't give you all of these, even though I have a pretty long list. All the times that Jesus prayed. We see him praying in all kinds of occasions. In Luke 3, he prayed at his baptism. In Mark 1, He prayed early in the morning before going into the city. In Luke 5, he prayed after he healed someone. In Luke 6, he prayed all night before he chose his disciples. In Matthew chapter 11, he prayed while speaking to the Jewish leaders. In John 6, he gave thanks and prayed to the Father before he fed 5,000. He prayed before he walked on the water. He prayed while healing a deaf and mute man. He prayed when, Jesus, when, when Peter got the revelation that he was the Christ. Y'all catch the drift. He prayed on all these occasions. He prayed from the cross. Forgive them for they know not what they do. And in his last breath, what do we find Jesus doing? He's praying and saying, Father, I, I commit to you my spirit. He prayed continuously. It wasn't something that he occasionally did. It was part of the way Jesus lived. He prioritized the presence of God in prayer. Now, some of you are thinking, Pastor, I just don't have time to pray. I have stuff to do. I have to be productive. I've got a wife, kids, a boss. I've got, I got all kinds of stuff. And I want to say this. There, there may be nothing more productive than the time you spend seeking the heart of God Inviting his power, his presence, his strength, and to be with you. And the reason there, there may not be anything more important than that is because life is hard. I'm going to take it a step further. Life can be brutal. It's almost impossible to walk in this world that we are living in now and to live in it full of joy and peace with all the chaos that's going on, when, when you walk into 
places and you see division and you see tension and we all have relational stress, financial stress, temptations, complicated decisions that we got to make on a daily and weekly basis. I don't know how you feel about it, but I I need the presence of God. I need his power. I need his grace. I need his strength. Listen, I don't just need it for a few minutes in prayer. I need it in the way that I live. I need it. As disciples of Jesus, what I know is that I live in the world, but I'm not of the world. And so here's a point for you. To be effective in the world I have to disconnect from this world. Jesus, who loved the world, gave his life for the world, consistently disconnected from it so that he could be effective in it. If I never disconnect from this world that I live in to fully connect with God, I'll be ineffective in my witness and in my service in the world. See, there are times when I have to disconnect from everything that does not last in order to connect with the one who does last. I have to disconnect from everything that is temporary so that I can connect to the one who is eternal. To be effective in the world, I have to disconnect from this world. Prayer is not just a momentary action, but prayer is so much more. It's the way that I live. I'm going to show you Matthew chapter 6, verse 6 from a devotional translation, from the message uh, translation. Not really a translation as much as it's a devotional translation, but verse number six says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. So, so what do we do? Jesus said, find a secluded place. And we saw in his life, he got alone to pray. I would encourage you to make it a daily priority once a day at some point in your life, in your day, daily routine, that you break away, disconnect from the world so that you can connect with God. Eliminate the distractions when you do it, which means you may have to put the phone in another room. That whatever they put on Instagram, it will be just as meaningless and still there 20 minutes when you go look at it. The cat video, the funny video, it can all wait. I know that some of us, you got kids, and to break away for a few minutes to pray, lock yourself in the bathroom. You're like, well, Pastor, I would love to, but they'll come beating on it four minutes later, and their fingers will be crawling up under the door while I'm trying to seek God. I understand that it's not easy, but how many of you understand it is necessary to disconnect from the world so that I can fully connect to God? It's important. I've got to prioritize it. I've got to make a decision. I've got to put everything aside so that I can connect with him. Disconnecting from the world so that I can connect with the Lord of hosts. Why is this so important? Because intimacy is never accidental. Intimacy is never accidental. You never just like accidentally get close to the Lord. You don't wake up one day and say, oh man, I'm close to Jesus. 
No, you've been intentional. You have put focused time on that. If you and your wife, you and your husband are close, it's because you have been intentional. Marriages aren't great on accident. Intimacy is never accidental. There's a place that when it comes to God that I'm going to set aside everything else so that I can connect with him. In Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, I'm going to show you something out of one. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, and there's a lot of reasons for it. But I want to show you just one little nugget here. In Luke 3, 21, 22, Jesus' baptism, it says, When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. I love this text because a dove will never land on anything unless it's still. You will never see a dove land on a moving train or on a moving automobile. You will never see a dove do that. Never. And I believe that we can draw a parallel that as the heavens open, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove. I think if we want to experience the presence of the dove, the presence of the Holy Spirit, sometimes you've got to find a secluded place and be still long enough for the Holy Spirit to rest upon your life. I'm going to be a little bit bold right now because I think I need to be. The reason we're not experiencing the joy and the peace and the overflowing power that the Holy Spirit has for us is because we race from thing to thing to thing. If we're not racing from this to that, we live on an emotional roller coaster where we're up and we're down, we're mad, and now i got to numb that so I've got to find my happy place so I won't be mad anymore, so we binge watch this and move on to that. And if we're if we can't be still long enough, we will never experience the Holy Spirit's power. I want to tell you, stop racing from event to event, from living on an emotional roller coaster, go into a room, shut the door, tell the kids, be quiet, and say, Holy Spirit, I am here and I'm not leaving until you speak to me. Anybody getting what I'm saying? If you're getting that, go ahead and give God a praise. Online family, go ahead right there in your house and give God a praise. Find yourself a place to disconnect from the world and connect with your Heavenly Father. He wants to give you the peace and the joy that you need. This is so important. Could it be that our constant movement, our constant distractions with the phone and all the things that we have at our fingertips, could it be that it's all limiting our interaction? with the Holy Spirit. We are so preoccupied. Some of you are like, okay, pastor, I love this. I I love this. I I hear you. I get it. I believe it. But if I'm going to spend time in prayer, what do I pray about? You'd be surprised. People don't even know what to pray about. They treat it as this thing that it's not, and so they're like, "What, what do I pray about? You pray about whatever it is you care about. 
Whoever is on your mind, whatever is on your heart, whatever you're excited about, whatever questions you have for God, whatever you're burdened about, pray about it. Paul said it this way in Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. If it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. It is that simple. If it's on your mind, it's already on God's heart. Talk to him like he's a close friend because the truth is, he is. He's not a third distant cousin. He's a close friend. So speak to him. If you've got questions for God, ask him. If you're mad at God, tell him. He can handle it. He's got big shoulders. How many of you would be honest enough to say that there have been a season or two that you've been mad at the Lord? Some of you honest, some of you going to hell. But <laughs> Kidding, nobody's going to hell. We ain't going to let you go to hell. There are seasons we're mad, and we think, you know, and I'm not saying you can't tell, like, I'm not saying open up your prayer time with, Jesus, I'm mad. Like, you may want to say, thank you for the day and the breath, I'm mad. But he can handle your questions, he can handle you being upset, he can handle you not understanding. you got to share your heart with God. Why do you spend time praying about things you don't care about? That's what we read in the opening text. Some of us, we babble. We just pray and fill up space praying about things we're not even passionate about. What's keeping you up at night? What's bothering you? What's agitating your spirit? What frustrations do you have? What dreams do you have? You pray about the things you care about. I think we struggle to pray sometimes because we compartmentalize our lives. How many of you grew up eating TV dinners? Come on, wave at me. Y'all know that TV dinners, you got the little compartments, you got the mystery meat and the vegetable. that you, You're not even sure what some of it is, right? But it's got little compartments for, for each part, and none of it touches. It's kind of separate. And I think we, th- we try to compartmentalize our lives. We think that nothing intersects, that nothing crosses over. But, but you got to understand, life's not like that. My, ch- my church life impacts my family life. My family life impacts my work life. My work life impacts my professional life. How many of our life is not a bunch of little compartments, but they all touch. And so the point that I'm trying to bring you to is God doesn't want to be a part of your life. God wants to be your life. He is your life. He's involved in every aspect of your life. He promises that he will never leave us, never forsake us. It's not just an action that we do when we pray. It's the way we live. When you look at the way Jesus lived, he practiced the presence and priority of prayer. He had uninterrupted time and fellowship with the Father. He was always praying. He had those moments when he disconnected and he was alone with God, and it's so important. But this is the part of the message that I, I don't want you to leave and think, okay, every day, once a day, i got to shut myself off and pray. Do that, but don't limit it to that. Because what I'm about to give you, this is what's going to change your prayer life. Look at what Paul said in Philippians or 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Um, you can commit this to memory. 
you got this. All right, I'm going to give it to you in three translations. The first translation is the New Living. Paul said, never stop praying. I want everybody to say, never stop praying. How many can remember that scripture? I think we can all remember it. It's kind of like Jesus wept, right? I I got this. Uh, The NIV, New International Version, says, pray continually. Everybody say, pray continually. King James Version, here's what I grew up on. Pray without ceasing. Everybody say, pray without ceasing. All right, I don't care what translation you pick. The point is, don't stop praying. It's not just I lock myself away, disconnect from the world, connect with God, but I'm supposed to live in a way that I never stop praying. And I know what some of you are thinking, Pastor, I get distracted after, after five minutes. Now you're telling me to never stop. Like, how, what, what in the world? Like, I can barely fill up seven minutes in the morning. And you're telling me to pray without ceasing, to never stop praying. How in the world am I supposed to do that? When you look at the life of Jesus, you'll discover prayer was not just a moment. Prayer was a way he lived. So he had moments where it's me and the Father, but he also, throughout the day, was constantly talking to God. He was constantly speaking out what was on his heart. See, God is with you everywhere, all the time, which means that I don't have to break away every time I want to connect with God or offer up a prayer and lock myself up. He's with me in Walmart. He's with me. I can pray while I'm driving. I can talk to him when that person at the place I work is getting on my nerves and ask God to give me grace for that person. I can talk to God when I can feel I'm about to lose my temper with my kids. I can speak out a prayer in that moment and talk to him. I can talk to him when I'm running late for church on a Sunday morning. I can talk to him when I'm worried about the the doctor's report on Tuesday. I can talk to him like he's my friend because he is my friend. Give him a praise if you believe he's your friend. Prayer is not just close yourself off. It's all day. It's every day. It's living in, in a constant state of prayer. Prayer is getting alone with God. So do that. Do that but it's not limited to that. Prayer is living in God's presence. That's what it is. Prayer is experiencing God's grace. It's hearing his whisper throughout the day. It's experiencing and enjoying his power and his peace. Prayer isn't, it's not getting God to do what we want God to do. Prayer is aligning my will with his will. Prayer is not about changing God's mind. Prayer is about changing the direction of my heart. When you pray, you're walking with God. And when you're walking with God, you're now walking in the Spirit. Now you're aware of His presence. And when you're aware of His presence, guess what He does? He can convict you when you've got sin in your life you need to get rid of. He will comfort you when you're in the middle of, of the, the worst storm of your entire life. That you will learn that as you walk with Him and spend time with Him, He's guiding you. He's ordering your steps. He's giving you promptings to encourage another person. Your heart starts to break over what breaks his heart. You start to rejoice over what he rejoices over. Why? Because you're walking and living in a constant state of prayer and dialogue with your heavenly father. It's not an action that I do and leave. It's the way I live. 
One writer that I've read for many years, he broke it down into giving God four different types of thoughts. I'm going to share these with you in conclusion because I think this will speak to the heart of this message. He talks about the four different types of thoughts, and he said we need to give God these four types of thoughts. The first one is give God your waking thoughts. Give God your waking thoughts. Meaning when you wake up in the morning, give God your first thoughts. That might be, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. God, help me to see needs today. Help me to speak words of life, words of encouragement. Convict me, Holy Spirit, of anything that's out of line. God, I'm devoting this day for you. I'm going to give God my waking thoughts. Secondly, give God your waiting thoughts. Whatever you're waiting on, give it to God. You're praying for the salvation of a lost loved one. Give that thought to God. You're praying for a miracle. You're praying for provision and breakthrough. Whatever it is you're waiting on God to do, it's not done yet. You're waiting on him to do it. Take that before God and spend some time with him. Number three, give God your whispering thoughts. You might not want to shout out your prayers in the middle of the office. You might want to whisper those. You probably don't want to bind up the demon in Jesus' name. In the middle of your office, jump up. In the name of Jesus, I bind every devil. How many know they're going to call security? You may need to whisper that. Yeah, there's times to be loud and bold. There's also, how many know that you can whisper a prayer and God can perform a miracle? I don't have to be loud to be powerful. See, get, God, in, in whispering thoughts, it could be God, give me some wisdom. Help me to deal with this difficult situation. Help me to do a good job with this presentation at work. God, help me to connect with my teenager. God, help me to welcome my spouse home after a long day at work so that I would be the spouse that I need to be for them. God, let me be a voice of encouragement to someone. All those whispering thoughts throughout the day, offer them up to God. The fourth, give God your waning thoughts. What he meant by this, the writer meant by this, is that at the end of the day, you look back and you say, God, here's where I saw you today. Here's where I saw your hand. Here's where I experienced you. Here's what I'm thankful for. But how many know at the end of every day, there are still some things that you're bothered by? There are still some things you're burdened with? So before you go to bed, you give God your waning thoughts you, you give God what, what you're still carrying. That's why the Bible says to cast your cares upon God because he what? He cares for you. How much stuff are we living with that God never asked us to live with? How many times in Scripture are we told to cast that which bothers us upon him? Like so, so those thoughts at the end of the day, the things that you haven't seen happen yet, that you're saying, God, I trust that you'll handle it. I'm going to sleep now. Those are four different thoughts that we can offer up to God because prayer isn't just something we do. Prayer is a way that we live. For every person that's ever had guilt over your prayer life, I used to be guilty, feel guilty over my prayer life or lack thereof. I want to say to you, be free in the name of Jesus. 
This ain't some guilt message where you feel bad about whatever prayer life you had or didn't have up until this point. This message is not about being guilt-ridden. This message is be free in the name of Jesus. We're not under the old covenant where we got 633 laws to approach God. We're under grace, and God has given you an invitation before him to say, bring all your stuff to me. Talk to me about it. Whisper it out to him. Let him know what's on your heart. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 says, as the worship team comes, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he, that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything... In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So now, when we're living in this, not just a momentary action, and then we, it's like, okay, God, I gave you the first 10 minutes of my day, and it's like, we leave that, and God's like, okay, go be great, I'll see you in 24 hours. It's not how it works. God will say, yeah, go, be great. Change the world. But he, the Holy Spirit will whisper to you and say, I'm going to help you kill that presentation at work. And I'm going to save your teenager who you think you're losing. And at the end of your day, when you've had a hard day, I'm going to be the one to say, I still see those burdens Give them to me. And as you walk with God and you recognize prayer's not just this moment where I gotta live in a cave and have my food shipped in because I can't ever be in the world. Prayer is not just that moment. Prayer is happening all the time. It's while I'm driving. It's while I'm with my kids. It's while I'm taking a walk. It's, it's when life is hard and there's chaos all around. And it may not be in the thunder and in the lightning, but it's in the whisper that I still hear. The calming voice of the Holy Spirit saying, I'm going to handle it. Just hold your peace. Watch me work. Cast it upon me. Don't carry it yourself. You're going to hear the Father begin to speak over you and declare things over you and you're going to recognize this ain't just some religious thing that I do on a Sunday to check a box, but I got a real relationship with Jesus. He knows my voice and I know His voice and, and because of that I got a real relationship. A real relationship. I want you to stand to your feet this morning and I didn't know I was going to do this and, and at nine, I was just prompted. And I'm just going to obey the Holy Spirit because what I feel like we have in this moment is that you have an audience with Him. And some of you, you you're like, well, how am I going to apply that? Well, right now you're going to apply it because I want you to just position yourselves right there where you are in a position of prayer. And that may be you need to lift your hands or open your hands. However, I just a posture of prayer, whatever that looks like for you. And just begin to speak out. It's church. If you need to be loud, you can be loud. It's church, but you can whisper because we know God's in the whisper. Right now, I believe you have an audience with the king. 
and whatever is on your heart is already on God's mind. So right there where you are, begin to speak it out in whatever the way that looks like. It may be God touched my marriage. It's not working the way that it should be. God helped me to be the spouse that I'm supposed to be. Some of you, it's, it's a business deal, and you're praying, God, should I pursue that? Should I not? Is this my opportunity? God is saying to some, that's not the one. To others, he's saying, this is the one. Hear his voice. Speak out what's on your heart. Whatever's troubling you, speak it out. You don't have to come up with theological words for it. Just begin to speak it out. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Some of you are having trouble stepping in, but go ahead. You have an audience in this moment with, with the King of Kings. strategies to some of you right now has given some of you a next step in what you're supposed to do how you're supposed to respond or not respond conversation you need to have or not have See, this moment, you, what you forget is God honors this moment. This is holy to Him. When you take the time to pour out your heart, it's a holy moment in God's eyes. So, Father, I ask as your people speak out their prayers and what's on their heart, I pray over them now in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you show yourself strong on their behalf. Your word says that you are a strong tower. And that with righteous run in and they are saved. I just declare that for some in this moment, what the enemy has meant for evil, God will turn around for your good. God will turn it around for your good. So Father, we just thank you for the peace you're speaking and the comfort you're giving in this moment. We'll ask the prayer team and staff to go ahead and get in place and just stay in that moment. Just stay in that moment while you're praying. Continue to pray. Those of you that are in this place and you're not in right relationship with Jesus and you know that you need his grace and his forgiveness and you need to make some things right with God I'm not going to embarrass you but if you're here under the sound of my voice and you say pastor you're talking to me I need to make some things right with God I need to give him my life I need to surrender my life to him if that's you would you just throw your hand up right there where you are just say that's me pastor I need to make some things right thank you for this hand thank you for this hand see both those hands anyone else I need, to, I need to make some things right. I need to submit my life. Anyone else? I want us to all lift this prayer up together.
as we welcome two people into a relationship with God. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. And I'm asking you to forgive me. To come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you give God a praise for those two individuals? I'm, I'm just going to kind of slip out of the way because I feel like the Holy Spirit's already began a work. So just stay in that mode this morning. If you need prayer, we want to lay hands on you. We want to believe for you. But just enjoy the presence of God. And before we sing this last song and open up the altars, can we give Jesus one more big praise this morning? One more big praise. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.